0: hi there and welcome to the saxo market call on monday the 4th of december i'm here with sharo shanana um, our fx uh, strategist or head of fx strategists i should say and we're going to talk about you know the macro and the and the fx uh, the fx outlook here and um interesting week shaping up because of what happened last week Big slide and big move in across the bond market. The bond yields pushing lower. We had uh, we had gold. We had equities rallying. There was you know it was a pretty dramatic week and um, it ended on a very strong note on Friday. And we had the you know the, the commentaries from Waller, um, basically saying that you know uh, the rate hikes had stopped, etc. And then suddenly the market really went into uh, went into uh, an overdrive uh, mode to to reprice that commentaries. And when we had uh, Powell also speaking on Friday adding to to that momentum so um, Sharo pretty pretty interesting week ahead also some pretty key uh, macro uh, figures coming up.
1: Yes, absolutely, uh, Peter. I mean, actually, last week, uh, we just got that peak uh, Fed rate narrative reinforced by all this commentary coming out, particularly from Waller. But I would say Powell's comments were a little bit more balanced. uh, But I think markets, you know, they read between the lines. And I think the interpretation that came out of Powell's comments was that he was balanced to be able to counter the dovishness that came out from uh, Waller earlier in the week. So um, yeah, we we still continue to price in uh, more rate cuts, bring forward um, those rate cut expectations as well. Um, I think the other key thing uh, that we've talked over the the episodes um, on this macro and FX podcast repeatedly is that how the market's focus uh, needs to really shift away from inflation to the growth side of the story. And I think That that is something that's really happening now. You know, we've long argued that U.S. faces a recession threat uh, going into 2024. And now we see that uh, many indicators are starting to point to that. We've seen um, cooling accelerate, really, whether it is on the labor market side or retail sales spending data. Um, So that that makes, again, this week particularly interesting um, because we do get uh, several indicators uh, which will be obviously... Uh, evaluated with that lens as to, you know, how quickly really a recession is uh, coming our way. Uh, So I think the most important ones would be the ISM services um, index uh, that is due tomorrow, uh, where um, the consensus is actually looking for an expansion to 52.3 after two months of declines. But I would think this might be a little bit optimistic because, you know, many other indicators of non-manufacturing activity are actually showing a slowdown. But even if we were to get this improvement, um, you know, I mean, we've seen US data continues to be more resilient than expectations. Um, So, uh, you know, I mean, even if we get that improvement, I think it would be important to look at how the subcomponents are behaving, you know, uh, especially the employment side of things as well in that services index. Uh, but overall, I think the b- big focus this week will really be on the labor market side. We get, uh, Joel's uh, numbers uh, tomorrow, and then we get that big jobs data, the non-farm payrolls on Friday as well. Uh, so Joel's give us uh, gives us some important indications about quits rate. You know how many people are actually voluntarily leaving their jobs. So you know just the whole sentiment about how much is the confidence on getting another job. Uh, that has been trending down the number of jobs per unemployed person that's been uh, trending down as well so we really need to see where the, these indicators are going um, and then of course finally the nfp which i think will be a tough one to interpret this time because it's going to be affected by the return of those uh, auto worker strike um, strike workers uh, who are now you know um, getting back so they could drive the headline really higher um so we could you know potentially we will need to focus on the household survey and where the unemployment rate is i think we are moving towards that 4% level which is really critical and kind of signals an incoming recession if we were to get there uh, so i think um, that will be um, a really important read out of the nfp data on friday
0: yeah i think you're right on, on that and uh, for me the the jobs report is Quite important, but especially in combination with that uh, John non-farm payrolls <laughs> on Friday, yeah, uh, Joel's, uh, because you know with the current level of around 1.5 uh, job openings per unemployed people is still a level that is substantially above the uh, the levels that were present in the U.S. economy before we slipped into the into the pandemic, and as such. Yeah. It points to renewed, in, uh, you know, wage pressures, and and for me that's the that's the danger to the market's current repricing of the Fed and, and inflation, et cetera. Because if inflation is slowing down, but labor markets remain tight and we don't slip into a recession, the real wages will begin to improve quite dramatically at the current levels that we're seeing on 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 wages, and that could suddenly, I think change the dy- dynamic to you know keep a hand under the economy and maybe even accelerate it. And then then maybe we'll finally see what is the true underlying structural inflation level. And that could potentially be something that scares the market. But I know that's a little bit further into the future. I don't know whether we have anything to comment on that, but that's just, I feel like the, the Joel's report is, is really important to track still.
1: Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with you. But I think uh, the other point of view really would be that uh, uh, it's not about having those 1.5 jobs or 1.3 jobs per unemployed person, but the fact that we are coming down from two very rapidly to this 1.3 number. So that change um, really, ref- uh, you know, impacts the sentiment and impacts the, the ability uh, to get your wages increased as well, so um, I'm not sure, but I think that could be, um, you know, the pace at which we are going down is going to be really important from here. But I do agree with you that labor market is still tight, and it's that is that is primarily the reason why we are still getting those elements of hawkishness in uh, Fed speeches, and we are not completely taking um, a turn for you know uh, the hints that you know clear hints that we can start uh, to expect rate cuts um, soon
0: right and um we we're going to shift gear a little bit uh, from the macro obviously it's related to it but we're going to talk about the dollar and maybe also a little bit about gold because um those two were the the big movers in 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 fx markets uh, over the past week the dollar finally sort of ended its uh, its decline um it's pretty obvious in the dollar spot index and and then then gold i mean very strong closing on Friday uh closed on a on a new a new closing high for the year and then overnight we've seen in the asian session the uh, uh, gold price in dollars spiking significantly above 2100 the 2100 level so um, a lot of price action well how do you square all the things that you're observing in the bond market and, and on the macro economy with the the events in the dollar and and, and gold spot
1: uh, yeah, so both the moves in the dollar and the gold, I would say, really coming on the back of that uh, move that we've seen in the in the Treasury yields. Uh, I think gold, yes, is something that uh, Ole has been flagging for the last several weeks and has really been one very um, engaging discussion points, I would say, here in Asia as well, uh, because this is now really the time when uh, the ETF participation is starting to pick up, you know, as Ole would again point out uh, better than I can. But uh, certainly some very interesting moves. And although we've seen this huge rally, there could be some scope for consolidation. Um, But I mean, I think the risk reward still favors uh, further upside in gold prices as well. And then I think that is a very similar story that I can bring to the dollar as well, where I think we remain in this broadly bearish trend because of this peak Fed narrative. Um, But again, you know, um, this is not going to be without those intermittent levels of support, because the US dollar still has the yield and the carry advantage? it's still, um, you know, there is still that U.S. exceptionalism story because you cannot um, have a, a weaker dollar when uh, the, the the growth rates of uh, countries outside the U.S. is weakening faster than the U.S. itself. So uh, you you need that better um, ex-US growth to really you know make that case. So I think uh, uh, we we will continue to find intermittent supports in the path of the dollar. And if you look at the positioning data, also there's been a sharp decline in dollar longs uh, about 40% or so um, for in the week to uh, november 28 so uh, i think um, um, i think it is obviously sign- signaling that this downtrend is here now but you know again it depends on how growth numbers do in Europe versus US or how China momentum really picks up to, you know, call for a clear downtrend there. I think what is really important from an FX perspective this week is that uh, uh, the bearish momentum in euro is really catching up after that uh, sharp cooling that we saw in eurozone inflation numbers uh, last week. Uh, So now there's this close run happening between, um, you know, the pricing for ECB and the Fed uh, where the markets are now actually expecting the ECB to go first with the rate cut, the first full rate cut is priced in um, for ECB for April, as compared to the Fed for uh, which is priced in uh, for May right now. So there's a, there's this really close race, and I think you know data from here is going to be continued to evaluated on uh, who who really goes first between these two. I think German uh, economic numbers coming out this week uh, on industrial production would again be quite key on that front. But I think euro... Has scope to price in more of that dovishness right now, um, so maybe you know. I mean, if, if US dollar is also under pressure, I think the the euro becomes more interesting on the crosses. I would say you know potentially against Japanese yen, which is obviously getting a lot of uh, strength and focus because of the slide in treasury yields as well. Um, across uh, also from uh, Aussie and Kiwi, if you, you know look at uh, Euro Aussie or Euro Kiwi, there's potentially more downside uh, there as well because of again. Again, you know uh, the the still lingering elements of hawkishness um, in the central banks of Australia and in New Zealand uh, compared to this uh, dovish turn that we are seeing in the ECB pricing.
0: Yeah, and I think as well with uh, talking about the um, talking about the euro, you know, the uh, the cold uh, the cold snap that is is covering in the northern part of Europe has really sent uh, gas. Uh, natural gas storage levels here in europe uh, on the decline i think it's the uh it's the steepest uh uh withdrawal from from gas storage since the winter of 2020 so um it's um it has to alleviate at some point before otherwise i think it can begin to you know spill over into international gas prices in europe and then you know with the weak a weak german and and and, and dutch economy then that could set forth some pretty interesting dynamics i think on the euro as well but um that's um that's something maybe we can take next week. We um, we have to move on to the last uh, topic. We're going to talk about the RBA. They're going to uh, have a rate decision and tonight. Uh, European times or, or, or not tonight, but overnight in in the Asia session. So, uh, Shara, what um, what do we expect? Is it going to be a, a no rate hike? And, and and if so, is there any juice in in the rate decision or the commentaries that can can move markets?
1: Yeah, I think quite a lot of juice, uh, I would say, for the FX market, especially because of the kind of stage that has been set by uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's uh, meeting last week, where they also stood on hold, but it was a pretty hawkish, um, you know, commentary. um, And that kind of really moved the New Zealand dollar to a higher trading range. You know, I wrote an article last week that uh, uh, RBNZ needs a reality check, which is the case because they are looking at, um, you know, back backward looking data because their data is only reported quarterly. So they don't have uh, you know, a chance to look at the most recent numbers, uh, but nonetheless, I mean, that's how uh, they work, and that's really pushed Kiwi dollar to this new trading range. Um, uh, but uh, and I think we could really expect something very similar from uh, the RBA as well tomorrow. As you say, they're not expected to hike. Um, you know, inflation print for October slowed quite considerably to 4.9% year on year, but it's still way um, higher than their two to three percent target. Um, And, uh, you know, listening into comments from Governor Bullock over the last weeks, I think one thing that she's repeated consistently is that tolerance for inflation overshoot is quite low. For uh, the RBA, Uh, so there are risks that the tone will stay hawkish, and uh, you know I think demand and labor market conditions are also looking a little bit stronger than their expectations because of the rise um, in immigration, Um, and housing market uh, obviously is one key um, vulnerability for them, but it hasn't really uh, blown up significantly right now. So I mean the headwinds are are there certainly, but uh, I think are pretty manageable at this stage. So. Uh, you know, if we do see that hawkish tone coming through, um, I think Aussie dollar would potentially get. Uh, a boost from that, um, although the rally may not be as sharp as what we saw uh, for the Kiwi dollar uh, last week following um, from the, the RBNZ meeting, because there are still tailed risks of, you know, this weakness in global economy, the still tailed risks from uh, potentially some consolidation in the US dollar as we talked about earlier, and of course, the risks from uh, the China property sector side as well. So, you know, even though there's some potential for Aussie dollars to react to that um, uh, potentially hawkish rba i don't think the reaction is going to be as steep as what we saw for kiwi last week
0: all right good stuff well there's a lot to chew on this week and um, as we talked about i'm really um, i'm really looking forward to the joels the ism and then again the non-farm payroll so the macro figures this week are going to be quite interesting and and watch those moves around in the market uh, the dollar the gold spot and and tonight if you're trading the aussie dollar if that's a, a market you're, you're trading then obviously tonight's uh, or uh, the decision or the next 24 hours by the iba and then the commentaries as char just mentioned going to be quite key there but um yeah thanks for listening and, uh, and char and i will be back again with another episode on uh, on macro and fx uh, next week thank you for listening